podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot cheated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's John Bolt, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! It's Collins, Bolton! Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast with me, Chris Parsons. The season is coming to a close and Derby's rollercoaster running continues. After the lows of Burton and Borough, there was the triumphant Tuesday against Cardiff and the backs to the wall draw at Villa Park this weekend. Whatever happens next Sunday, the Rams are once again doing things the Derby way, which is uh, pretty obvious. So joining me as ever to try and make sense of the season are Richard Kutcher. Hello. And Tom Martin. Good evening. But before I get into the meaty stuff, it's time for Who Ram I number 16 of the season. Uh, the guessing game where Tom and Richard have to identify an ex-Ram from a series of clues. What's uh, the so score? What's the score? It's So you've got nine. Yeah. Ahead. And you've got six. But I'm on a run of form, so let's. You won the last one, didn't you? You're the informed person, yeah. Informed player. It's a bit like saying Derby on a run of form. Yes, <laughs> we are. Uh, this is the clue for uh, this episode's Who Ram I? I played 39 times for Derby County between 2002 and 2004. That's the George Burley playoff season to finish, isn't it? It is. So have a have a have a think. Cool. Derby County took four points from two pretty tricky, two of the hardest away games, or two of the hardest games we'll face this season, clawing a, uh, getting a point at Villa Park yesterday to stay in the top six just. Um, shades of Brentford away, weren't they, yesterday? Derby only had 28% possession, <laughs> but managed a one-all draw. Uh, Derby scored early, uh, conceded possession, then were pegged back in the last 10 minutes. Tom, what do you think we did against Cardiff and Villa that we didn't do against Burton and Middlesbrough? I think, um, obviously, much more clinical in front of the goal, taking that chance from Jerome. But also, I think, um, pushing a little bit further up the pitch and not allowing so much space uh, in front of us. So making sure that the, def- the, the gaps between the three defenders uh, and the two midfielders were a lot closer. So we weren't having people in the space in behind. Um, and I think it's worked much better. There's also seen the change in formation. Um, I quite like the fact we're playing three centre-backs. It seems to seems to be working for us. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but the way we defended at the beginning of the season, where we used to tuck the full-backs in um, to almost play like centre-backs and seed the wide space, we're doing again, but we've now got a better midfield cover in front. So a little bit more solidity, perhaps. So we're going to come on to this change of formation later on. So it's two. I think it's two games ago, wasn't it, that, that Rowett... Yeah. Completely mixed things up. So it's a back three now. Um, started with Forsyth, Keogh and Davis as a back three. But against Aston Villa away, it was uh, Alex Pierce, Richard Keogh and Curtis Davis. Uh, so as we said, Derby went ahead. Cameron Jerome's third goal in two games. Goal machine, Cameron Jerome. Well, and, and right time. You know, what a great time to become a goal machine, if that's what he, if that's what he is becoming. I'm yet to be convinced he is actually a goal machine. But, <laughs> you know, we need strikers in form. If we are going to be in the playoffs, and we'll discuss that later, then we need uh, at least one striker in form in front of goal. And we know that Vidro can, can obviously score as well. So, great. Jerome is obviously a confidence player as well. I think him yeah. and Nugent yeah. are both confidence players. 
they'll probably both put more energy in to a game if they know they're also scoring goals. And in that formation, it seems to suit. You want to have a, a proper target man who are also running behind, and, and Jerome does that. To, and, and Nugent does that as well, but Jerome's obviously got the shirt right now. Jerome's got a lot more pace, and mm. I think he provides an option over the top a lot more than what Nugent does. So you've, you've, you've both seen the goals. Um, the derby went ahead on the 14th minute when uh, Andy Vyman dispossessed Neil Taylor, Aston Villa fullback, then pulled it back for Cameron Jerome. Decent finish, wasn't it? Sl- yeah. Slotted it right in the corner. Yeah. Fair play to him. Yeah, really good finish. He took it first time. Um, he, he could easily have blazed that over. And I think a month or so ago, he would have blazed that over. But top finish into the bottom corner, um, curling away from the keeper. And he, yeah, he took his chance nicely. I was, uh, I was there myself, and I, I must admit, the last sort of 10 minutes plus injury time I, I I literally couldn't watch I was just looking at the floor because it was just wave after wave after wave of, of, of Villa pressure 24 shots on goal they had <laughs> in, the, in the game although I don't think like Brentford they didn't have that many was actually a- on target but it was chance after chance uh, Hurahane Conor Hurahane missed a sitter uh, Jack Grealish was put clean through in the first yeah. half Carson saved but um, that save from Carson was that that save at Carson's feet from Grealish was his only only real major save from yeah. what I saw from the highlights I've saw. I know you were there, Chris. But if you can see that many balls into the box, as Raoul said in his post match, and eventually one of them's going to fall, and 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 they took their goal well. To be, to be fair to John Terry, the composure that he showed three yards out to to kind of pass it to grab him was was yeah. pretty impressive. Let, um, let's, let, let's move on from praising John Terry <laughs> if, if, if if we can. But He's my favourite player. Tom, do you, I mean, do you think we we saw the team and saw that it was three out and out centre backs rather than two centre backs and and Forsyth and Olsen who are more attacking minded? Yeah. Does it bother you that we essentially went there to play for a draw? Not really. I think at this stage of the season, um, it doesn't matter about performances. And arguably, you could say Rowett hasn't bothered too much about high-quality performances all season. Um, it matters at the moment about the points. We need to go uh, next week to Barnsley, get a point. Villa, if we go away to Villa and get a point, you're really pleased with that. Yeah. So three centre-backs, keep it nice and tight. And I think we did so. And I agree with Kutcher, not a lot of chances that... Um, Carson had to make an, an outstanding save that one from Grealish was outstanding the rest of it was fairly straightforward they hit the bar with uh, Graben uh, and the post with Codger but Derby defended well enough in, at that point. in any context of the season whether we've been on a run of winning seven games or we'd lost seven games in a <coughs> row or the situation we find ourselves in now a point away at Villa a promotion rival who are ahead of us in yeah. better form is an excellent point just yeah. like and we'll come on to it later three points at home against Cardiff who are second in our current run of form mm. and in any context is a brilliant three points so it is a really good the last two games bode well for yeah. whatever happens next and did you know we've taken twice as many points against Cardiff and Villa as we did against Burton and Sunderland this season <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sums it up but that's well, a good yeah. thing because we're going to play those we're more the likely to play them in the playoffs than we are to Burton or Sunderland yeah, yeah. it's madness isn't it I mean um, yeah it, it, it really was a, a back to the wall job and I think in comparison to other games where Teams will come at us and come at us. I think you you could see the goal was coming for Villa, and you couldn't argue when they did eventually score it. So, what what was the atmosphere like in the in the away end when that goal went in? Was it kind of a okay, that's fair enough, or obviously well, frustration? Yeah, it, it, was, it was different, yeah, to Brentford because you know against Brentford it was you know we didn't feel we were doing enough in the first place, and there was an element of that as well. But I think everyone acknowledged that Villa are you know a, a much better team than Brentford. So I'm sure you know, I'm sure Rowett didn't want us to be penned in for. The entire last half an hour, but it's just disappointing that you know when we did get a chance to play out, um, that sort of Jerome couldn't quite hold on to it. Mm. There was only, there was one chance that we had that could have changed the game when uh, when the ball came out, 
um, when Vidra was on, he sort of had his back to goal and he did this really clever little flick down the middle for for Vyman, um, who was away essentially. He was he was one on one, but El Mahamedi somehow caught him up and and Vyman just didn't have the confidence to you know to take it on. He checked back on himself. The chance went, but you know you feel given that Vyman's strengths are basically running very fast in a straight yeah. line, as we've discussed. I felt when he was away, he could he could have got a shot off earlier, but it, it surprised me that that he did that because I think he's been looking very sharp, not necessarily scoring the goal so much, but he has scored a few recently. But setting up goals, I think he's been playing really well. So um, it did surprise me that he didn't maybe take that on. Um, but perhaps he was then thinking more about actually if I take this on, blaze it over the bar, or if I hold this up, I can get someone else into play, draw out another few seconds. We're we're, walk, we're counting down the clock rather than. Else. Maybe a little bit of a negative mindset, perhaps. But. I did. Um, I did wonder, Kutch. I mean, you know, watched the whole game, and I was interested in seeing Villa because they've had some incredible results this season. Put yeah. five past Bristol City, yeah. smashed Wolves at home as well. Yeah. And once the pressure started to build, I was expecting them to roll us over. Um, what do you make of them as a potential, you know, as as a top six side? It seemed to me watching them, they're very reliant on um, Snodgrass on one side and Adoma on the other side both of whom are quite one-footed, I thought. If you yeah. keep Snodgrass on his right foot, he doesn't offer as much. Same with Adoma on his left foot. Um, but they have definitely got the players to... They've to got quality, teams. yeah, and with Graylish as well, they've got quality, and with Lansbury on the, I think on the bench, wasn't he, on, on Saturday. They've got, they've got good quality across the squad, and they're well-organised, and Steve Bruce knows what he's doing in, in playoffs and the division in general. Uh, I wouldn't want to come up against them at any point in the playoffs, but there's no one really um, in, the, in, in those six, in those four teams from the playoffs I do want to come up against. Villa probably, with that squad, should have been top two. Let's, yeah. let's be honest, and they'll, so, and they'll be a real threat in the playoffs. They've got so much experience in there. Players like Alan, Alan Hutton, John Terry, for example, big big game players. They've been playing Premier League football for over the last decade. Um, it surprised me that they weren't sort of top two, but they've come on very well uh, in the second part of the season. Um, and it surprised me when it was sort of Derby, Cardiff, uh, Villa, and then Fulham, maybe five or six points behind. I thought it'd be Derby and. Uh, Darwin a good run at the time thought Darwin Villa would be able to sort of stretch it away and Cardiff would fall away but in fact it's been the opposite yeah I think we all agreed it would have been, it would have been Villa who were the main threat to us in, yeah. in from December January for that yeah. second place obviously I thought, I thought, in the end every other team in the division was the threat to us <laughs> <laughs> I thought when they went on that run in um, was it like January or February or something I thought that was that was, yeah. that was them they were going to steamroll the league after that but it wasn't quite the case anyway so speaking of which Next weekend, um, it's a it's a promotion relegation double header. I mean, unbelievably, you, yeah. How does this happen? You, you literally can't script stuff like this. It's an incredible quirk of the fixture list. So Derby, two points clear of Preston in seventh, with uh, a nine a plus nine superior goal difference. Uh, while twenty first place Barnsley, a level on points with twenty second place Burton. But with a 21 goal superior goal difference, Burton's goal difference is an absolute horror show. Um, I guess if you'd have offered this situation to us, Richard, in August, in our own hands on the final day of the season, two points clear of seventh with a decent goal difference, we'd have we'd have taken it definitely. I think so. Yeah, when, when we had our pre uh, our preseason kind of uh, predictions, we kind of all said we'd like to be in with a shout of the top six, and this mm. obviously is more than within within a shout of the top six come come last game of the season so I think we would have bitten your hand off in August but we all know that a lot has happened since August and we've thrown away a, a great position from from January onwards so I'm not, I'm not too excited by the idea of sneaking into sick from the last day of the season um, but we here we are Let, let's take it and, and see what happens in the playoffs but go back to your point about the 
Derby Barnsley Preston Burton game. I mean, I'm not sure everyone. I think most Derby fans probably would like Burton to stay up. Um, so it's a great way for us, hopefully, not just to get ourselves into the playoffs, but do them a favour as well if they can do us a favour. They're an amazing story, aren't they? Regardless of the fact that they're beating us, <laughs> beating us once each season, <laughs> um, and taking points off off Derby when uh, you know when we didn't expect them to. They're an amazing story, and in, in many ways, they have no right to be at this level, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, true, but hopefully they can do us a favour on... Because I'm not completely convinced we will do ourselves a favour against Barnsley. It well, this does it. worry me. This is it, isn't it, Tom? That if anyone can mess up this situation, God knows Derby can, and in fact have you blown, blown this exact situation before three years ago. When uh, <laughs> um, Tell us what happened, if you don't mind reliving it. I, I do. I remember it well. I was house hunting, and I remember it well <laughs> listening to, to it on Radio 5 and Darren Bent getting a penalty... And I didn't go into our viewing because he had the penalty, and then I didn't go into the viewing because he missed it. Um, and then you stabbed the estate agent with a sale sign. I think so. And then I went into another viewing, and obviously left the car and came back, and Derby were two 0 down. I was like, I can't believe it. But did you get the house? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so so it was I, a happy story in the end. <laughs> but not, so but I, uh, I watched that game on someone else's stag do, and I forced everyone else to watch it as well. Oh God! It's, it's fair to say it put a bit of a dampener on the uh, on, on the afternoon. Well, just going back to it, like Derby are doing the Derby way and we are storming through in the early part of the season. Then we're falling away as we do the Derby way and then we've got a real chance of getting it back. We've stumbled it and stumbled forward, but God knows what's going to happen on Sunday. You never know. We could win 2 or 3 nil, and it would be, oh, we weren't worried at all. We end up playing someone that we think, yeah, I've got a chance. But My, my one glimmer of hope is that the two teams we have um, got good results against as in, as in Villa and Cardiff in the last two games ha- are serious teams who are playing for stuff yeah. and we're gonna, we could well come up against them in the playoffs so that doesn't mean we will beat Barnsley or it doesn't mean we'll even get the point we need against Barnsley but if we do find ourselves in the playoff however way we do it then we've got that experience of, of picking up results against the teams we should be picking up results against mm. does it mean we'll beat Barnsley? N- no I'm generally concerned about that but that's a very different kind of game to, to Villa or Cardiff or a, or a playoff semi-final. So the um, massively upper hand, though, haven't we? Sorry, Chris. Um, massively upper hand because we do realistically need a point. So we yeah, but that's da- I feel I feel like that's dangerous with Rowett because I feel Rowett might even play for a point against Barnsley. Is it is He's it not Nigel Clough? <laughs> is it is it is it a good thing or a bad thing when you come up against a team who um, who have very much something to play for rather than a team like Reading who have nothing to play for I, th- I think it's a good I don't think it's a bad thing I think it's fairly it's positive. a real game um, because, it's a proper game well, yeah I mean the, are, they, are, they, are they more likely to leave themselves open at the back because they, they have to go for it yeah they're going to have to come and they're going to have to they're going to hopefully come out and attack us and if they do that they'll lose space um, players like Vidra Feynman Jerome's obviously on a bit of form at the moment they're going to they're going to find that space so I think it's a positive thing um, I think also if they even if they do go ahead it could um, we we still have the quality to to get back at them. They're not great at the back, um, hence why they're down where they are. Um, but they yeah, so they so Barnsley only have to match Burton. Burton's result, don't yeah. they? That's what I was going to say. Is it'll be interesting because both benches will have an interest of of what's going on yeah. up in uh, up in Preston. So there might be some interesting permutations and um, not conversations, but dialogue between the two benches. Yeah. I mean Barnsley can't just hope a point is enough. So it, yeah. there's not there's I don't think there's any risk of. Unless Burton are getting pumped or something, there's no risk of Bert, uh, Barnsley and Derby um, conspiring to get a point which helps them both out because a Burton win would, would make yeah. that point irrelevant for, for Barnsley. But it, it will be interesting to watch and it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. My guess is it might be very cagey in both games in the first half yeah. as they see what's going on around the, around the league. If it comes down to it, and it's, it's a big if, if Derby do make it, um, 
Tom, who would you prefer to face in the semi-finals, Cardiff or Fulham? This is assuming that Middlesbrough don't lose and we win and we actually finish fifth, but that seems a bit of a, a bit of a stretch. Well, even yeah, regardless, even if whoever we get in the playoffs, I think on paper uh, I'd fancy us against Cardiff. Um, I don't think I'd fancy us against Fulham. I had the pleasure, perhaps, of going <laughs> to the Den a few weeks ago with a few friends who are Millwall fans. Um, atmosphere was terrific. Millwall were fantastic in that first half against Fulham. Fulham stood up and were counted for in that first half. In the second half, they were unbelievable. They were a Premier League team in that second half. Um, I do really think that they would destroy us in a playoff. A yeah, playoff. I, I agree with Tom. I think that with Fulham, <clears throat> with our first leg being at home, you know, even if even if you took a two nil win down to the cottage, yeah. you would be generally worried that you get done three nil. Mm. You know, I think I feel very much so. Yeah. Um, whereas Cardiff, I feel if we play Cardiff, it will be two tight games of yeah. two even quite evenly matched teams. Obviously, Cardiff have had a better run of form and have, have been a better team points wise than us. But I think over two legs, Derby and Cardiff are well matched, and we've just got good experience of beating them three one at home. Yeah. Do you think what we did to Cardiff would motivate them to to raise their game against us in the playoffs? Quite possibly, but. Because I think of the everything that's gone on between the two teams over the season, I feel like that goes out the window for both teams. Yeah. I feel like it will be so emotionally charged. I I expect there I expect it will be a very eventful, uh, entertaining set, uh, two legs, possibly with multiple red cards. I just feel like it would be explosive yeah. both both games. Just, Whereas Fulham, I think we just get done straight by red for Richard Keogh, two footed lunge. I'm sure Morrison. I hope, well, all the way around. Yeah. <laughs> no injuries, please. Uh, yeah, Tom. If it does come down to it. We're, we don't want to count our chickens here, but you know, if Derby do do the job, um, do you think Cameron Jerome has now guaranteed himself a start up front ahead of David Nugent? Um, no, not really. He scored three goals in the two games, um, but I think it's still important to to keep that that team fresh. And I don't think anyone is necessarily guaranteed a place apart from for me, Carson and Davis. Um, so I no, I don't think so. If he scores again against Barnsley, I think he would start the first leg. But if he doesn't play well, I'd have him out in the second leg. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he's been good enough to say, oh, you can have one bad game and you can play the next one. And I think the two goals against Cardiff were actually quite lucky. Even the second one where he does bully Morrison completely, but he sort of he doesn't finish it with confidence. Like there's not a vi- finish of like Vidra against Birmingham when he absolutely destroys the the net. It was a finish which goes through the keeper's legs. Um, whereas the finish against Villa, that was a, a finish of a man who was, yeah, I know I can score this and hit this. Um, if you go back to Jerome and you remember the Reading game, he hit that incredible half volley yeah. from like 20, 25 yards out. But at the same time, it was a great strike and uh, forced a good save. He had a lot of time to bring the ball down. If he'd have been a man of confidence, would he have brought the ball down, taken a couple of paces and then smashed it home? Because I thought at the time, you know, could he have done more with it? And he did brilliantly with the volley, but... Maybe a man of more confidence uh, could have done something slightly different. And like in this division, those kind of players, if they're on form, can can be a difference. You know, a big big target man puts himself about, is fast in behind as well. I mean, we've seen Chris Martin do it for us before. We've seen Stevie Howard do it for us before. There's countless examples of other players in this division doing that. If you have someone like that who's on form, believes in, believes in himself, he can be the the real kind of figurehead for a team, uh, particularly playing around a lone striker. I like to think it's because. Uh... I said on national TV after the Borough game that our January signings haven't worked. <laughs> I reckon Big Cameron was watching that at home and he's, he's right. 
I'll show you. Well, you so you think that the com- confidence player Cameron Jerome resp- resp- responded to your slating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Don't worry about it. Tom, anything to add on the on, on the playoffs and what's going to happen next weekend? Not not really. I'm looking forward to playoffs. It's always good. So hopefully Derby are in the mix. If we're um, in them. Yeah, I think. <laughs> even so, they're always good quality games, aren't they? And I, as a football fan, I enjoy watching those. So, but best of luck to all of them. For me, Fulham hopefully go up in second, and that will make it a really open playoffs. So I don't I don't see much difference between. Uh, Cardiff, Middlesbrough, Villa and Derby uh, if that's the, the four however I think Fulham are the class apart and they a bit like Derby in 2013-14 deserve to go up Yeah, and we've, be- and we've beaten all of those we haven't beaten Fulham have we? No we- we've beaten Cardiff, Borough and Villa Yes We have yeah that's uh, reassuring There you go, there you go that man. <laughs> We're going to leave it there there for the uh, for the first half of the podcast in the second half after this brief interlude I mean we've got to talk about Cardiff haven't we? Even though it was like five six days ago, we've yeah. got it. We've got to relive that one again. You know, a lot of talk of you know the best performance for best performance this season, and and we're going to talk tactics as well. Derby, of course, shifting from a four two three one to a three four two one three at the back for the past uh, three games. Ra- Gary Rowett said four two three one is done. So what are the pros and cons of the system? And if it's working so well, why didn't we use it sooner? So we'll talk about that after the break as well. In the meantime, we're on various forms of social media. We're on Twitter, at Steve Bloomer Pod. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And the email is stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com. Uh, nothing else I missed there, is there? Right. And we'll have the answer to Who Ram I as well. We will, yes. We will have the second part of Who Ram I after this. Now again, there's Villains. Asanovic! Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or hit follow on SoundCloud. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. Now, we wanted to turn our attention. We had to. We've got to talk about Cardiff, haven't we, on Tuesday, that magnificent 3-1 win at home. I mean, you could you, you could see in the goals, Richard, couldn't you, just how much it meant to the players in the way they celebrated. There's clearly a massive outpouring of relief when, uh, when when those goals went in oh absolutely and even even if uh, those those videos that did the rounds on Twitter uh, from Cardiff um, aren't genuine um, I do think that the whole kind of getting the game called off or not getting the game called off I feel like the Derby County players would have felt affronted by the idea that they chickened out of the first game I do think that led a lot into that emotion and it was just such a you know to turn the form around against what were they second or third at the time of playing them but you know basically second team in the league uh, obviously meant a lot to them after the abuse they got from you know their own fans and rightly so we were very angry with them two weeks ago um, but it showed they cared and I think that's all the Derby County fans have been asking for for the last two months is a, is a demonstration that they really care do you and think I think it, we got that I do you think, think it's just that. I just think it's concerning that we can only really pull out these sorts of performances. It seems when we're at like our lowest point, you know, we have to we have to really hit rock bottom before we manage to manage to really give ourselves belief like that. Do you think that's frustrating, Tom? Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm just thinking back to what I mean is I'm thinking back yeah. to like say the whole playoff game a couple yeah. of years ago when we got turned over in the first leg and it was basically over, and then in the in the second leg we played. You know, like, like you know, like we're invincible or something. But it's only when we got to that point where we pulled out that performance. It's it maybe is frustrating. Um, well, it is definitely frustrating. But 
if that's rock bottom, then um, that's not too bad. I don't think if we're sick from the league and stuff in the context of the season. But often it's too late, but, isn't it? Yeah, it's too late. But to achieve the aim we want to achieve, which is promotion, the yeah. best way to do that is top two. And you don't do you don't get top two if you keep hitting rock bottom for a season. Yeah, but perhaps I, I get I get what you're saying, and it's important that we've obviously won that game, and it does. I think it did help us on Saturday uh, mm. that we then had the confidence to hold that out. A month ago, we'd have lost to Villa um, 2-1, 3-1. And it does, if we get in the playoffs, it is a good sign. We came back from, when, that was the first time we came from a goal down in how long? I can't Leeds. remember exactly. Since, since October. Since Leeds, away. Sam Winnell. Yeah. So, I mean, that gives you great belief. Not just it being a promotion rival, but coming from a goal down against a promotion rival. And then not just coming from a goal down, but then sealing it. And getting yeah. the third goal. I'm sure I saw a stat on Sky when I watched it on TV, which said that in the games where Cardiff have been leading at half time, they've won every single one of them. Yeah, that's right. That's incredible turnaround, Tom, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was a great performance, um, and it's a great result, and it's, a, it's particularly pleasing that we could get that result against um, a team managed by Neil Warnock. Unfortunately, they won on Saturday, but um, and John Morrison scored both goals. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was great to see that they are. They are, have got weaknesses. Um, it's yeah. great to see that Derby have the strengths that we know they've got. They're capable of showing, and we need, they need to show that next Sunday. And I'm sure that Sean Morrison and Co will not be uh, uh, desperate to play against Cameron Jerome again mm. if we play them in the. Well, he absolutely finals. bullied him, didn't he? Like, he, I mean, and, and, and he scored two quite different goals. And I think the reason why he's going to start instead of Nugent is because, because if you look at that first goal that he scored. That's not the sort of goal no. that, that Nugent can score, is yeah. it? There's all that head tennis. It looked horrible beforehand, but then yeah. when Keo nods it forward, Jerome, there's only one thing he can really do. I mean, he can't, you know, you thought he could maybe lay it off or hit it wide or something or, or you know, just take it take it in, but he rolls it, the defender, so well, doesn't he? Yeah. And really yeah. uses, his, uses his other arm to hold him off whilst keeping near the ball and then just bundling it over yeah. the line. It didn't look pretty, but it's a surprisingly hard goal to pull off wasn't it when you think yeah about and it. I'm sure that goal gave him the confidence for the second goal as well because although it, it, they were different goals it was still a strength a strength game and he, mm. he, he already had the mental edge over Morrison at that you point. could tell that Jerome in particular absolutely relished that actual game didn't he yeah. like a real physical battle just so many headers up there for him to win you know and it, it became quite stretched because Cardiff was such a direct team uh, so there were balls for him to chase and headed for him to win and 50-50 for him to challenge, you know, and he, that, that's when you're going to get the best out of him. Yeah, and maybe maybe not getting too ahead of ourselves, but maybe that kind of atmosphere uh, was in that kind of game against a team with a bit of needle, a bit like a, a bit like a Forest game even. You know, it was so much emotion in that game just from the start of the game because of what everything had gone on before that maybe the team just needed something like that to respond to. Maybe it wasn't about hitting rock bottom. Maybe mm. it was about having a game under the lights with a real hostile atmosphere at home yeah. that got us going. And you know what? I know that Barnsley is a 12.30 kickoff, but we need. Well, I think we're going to need a similar atmosphere then and if we get to semi-finals, another similar atmosphere. We can't afford for the, the crowds to be a bit flat in the first half. They can't just can't expect because us to that will, Then that will feed onto the players as well. Yeah. And that's when... Those are the circumstances where disaster can strike, aren't they, Tom? Prague Park is a, a hugely nervous place, and I, there is there is this a, an expectancy from a lot of people who go. Um, I tend to go to more away games, and you, you go more to away games in hope rather than expectation. And I find that when I do go to home games, like you have a frustration, like why why can't we take on the best in the league, and why can't we beat the best in the league, and why are we not doing this? And oh, that pass goes astray, and what happens? It's the massive groan from twenty five, thirty thousand people. Um, and that can probably play on in, play on a lot of players' minds. Some in, people said in the sorry, Richard, that the I saw a few tweets saying the atmosphere against Cardiff was the best 
since Brighton in the playoffs in yeah. 2014. And that was a good day. It's a big shout. And we've mm. had a few big occasions since then. I mean, we're definitely going to need that sort of, as you say, that atmosphere to um, to get over the line against Barnsley and in the playoffs themselves if we get there. It might help that Barnsley have got something to play for as well, as we said in the first half, because you know, Barnsley will, be a, will bring a lot of people down. Yeah. Uh, and they'll make a lot of noise and that hopefully will kick our fans into gear so maybe hopefully it'll be a really good atmosphere on Saturday and on, on Sunday sorry and that will play into our hands again because I just feel like there is some momentum you know I know that we conceded late against Villa but there is some momentum with, with the Derby team and the fans and the team seem to be back on the same page which is really important the Cardiff result is massively important for us um, without a point or more in that Cardiff game um, I would have really struggled to see us and I did struggle mm. to even see us getting a result against Cardiff I'm delighted that we did, but um, I think that was that was a real turning point, or could be seen as a real turning point in the season. Speaking of turning points, Rowett switched systems, hasn't he? He's changed formation, which is what we wanted to come on to lastly for this episode. So it's four-two-three-one for the whole season, basically, and that's what you associate Rowett with, mm-hmm. isn't it? But he switched to three at the back. It's quite a fashionable formation these days, isn't it? Three at the back. Obviously, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal also play, yeah. have gone with it recently. Um, what do you make of it, Richard? Do you think it suits our players better? Yeah. Um, going on I, going on our strongest 11? Possibly. I'm not convinced it definitely suits our strongest 11 best. Obviously, our ter- you know, the last two games have been good results. That That is good evidence. But we also had a great run of form in the kind of 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 uh, system. So I'm not convinced it's the answer to all of our problems. Uh, I was... I was surprised that when he first started playing it, he decided to play Forsyth and Olsen because I think the main one of our main problems has been playing either of those players, <laughs> let alone both of them in the same game. Well, it's yeah. a weird one with Forsyth because he was a left winger originally and yeah. then he was converted into a left back. But is it just he was made, then made a centre back because he's like quite tall, six foot, and, and Olsen's Olsen's so unreliable defensively and, and position, positionally. I mean, if Forsyth is on form, or maybe if Forsyth was a player of three or four years ago, mm. would be brilliant left wing back. The ideal, yeah. wouldn't he? Uh, interestingly... But he's, the, he's not that player now, is he? No. I alluded to it in the first uh, part when I said that the way we defended so well in the early part of the season uh, was that we had the the two centre-backs and the two full-backs would tuck in really tight uh, and be on the edge of the box and inside the box and we'd defend the crosses coming yeah. in, not stop the crosses coming in. Um, we had two full-backs in Forsyth and Wisdom who were both six foot plus uh, who can head the ball away as well as Keo and, and Davis. Now we've got three centre-backs who are doing the same thing. We're maybe stopping the crosses as well by having those wing-backs. Yeah. And then we've got the two central midfielders in front. So we've actually got a really solid base, which is a three, but then could be a five. And actually, when we're defending, is a flat seven. Um, or not well, yeah, quite it's flat a seven, seven. But it's a seven, like, real solid base with the three people up front who can who can press. break. Yeah. And, and press. Yeah. And press. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's definitely a back five when defending, isn't it? Mm. I think the key with it with three at the back it's very dependent on the wing backs isn't it like they have to be able to defend and attack and get up and down yeah which not all of our full backs can no. so like Chris Baird for example no. would play well, in the three well, you know his strengths allegedly are are, are, are defensively yeah. not not recently but he's, he's strong defensively but he's never going to get over the halfway line that often is he whereas no. Wisdom will get up and down um, he can stick a cross in yeah. and he's, he's solid defensively as well and Forsyth Similar. Well, where do we where, where do we start? He's been up, he's been down, and but, not in yeah, not on the pitch. And he just <laughs> he just think if he can you know if he can just 
put two decent games together, then that should be enough to hopefully get us over the line. I think um, with Baird, he would play in the central part of that that part. Um, and I think the really important thing about playing three centre-backs is your three centre-backs have to be tied together. Now, there was a few moments that I still saw at Villa where Keo especially got lost with this and didn't stick tight to Davis and didn't stick tight, tight to Pierce. One in particular was the the Hoover chance in the second half when he hit the ball into the ground. Yeah. Um, the, you've got Pierce tracking the man who crosses the ball in. Davis in the middle. The ball goes over the top of uh, Davis to the back post, and you're like, "Where's Keo? He's on the edge of the box." But the the midfielders are picking up the men where they should be. But Keo is the one that's got to tuck in, and he'd stood and watched the the play unfold. Um, so if you're playing three at the back, you have to stay as a solid three. Um, if someone loses concentration like Keo did, um, it screws up, and we could have conceded then I might be I might be way out here and this is a bit left field <clears throat> obviously I hope that if we're playing for it at the back they have to be working on it on the training ground if it's going to be Pierce, Keogh and Davis then they're three good very experienced centre-backs both Championship and Premier League in David's, Davis's case so they, they could form a very good back three my yeah. question is didn't Jim Smith used to play a back three? He did, yeah. And Gary Rowett must have played in that I back three I was going to say yeah because it was Rowett 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 when he spoke about it in the week he said that the '96 promotion team went on a bit of a bad, bit, had a bit of a wobble towards the end of the season, and then they, and yeah. then they went two, three at the back, mm. and that's what helped them, uh, helped them finish second in the end. But it's interesting because I think one of the reasons we've gone for this is to shore up at the back, but it also suits our attacking players a bit more, I think, because yeah. in the four-two-three-one, those two players in the three, they have to stay quite wide, don't they? Yeah, yeah. they're traditional wide men, and let's face it, like Lawrence. Isn't really doesn't doesn't really suit being a wide doesn't man. Doesn't have the touchline, and and Vyman doesn't really either because he he's not good enough at crossing. Whereas this situation where you effectively have two playmakers, do you think that works a bit better for us as an attacking force? Yeah, and it's more interchangeable, you know, because you can bring in Palmer or Lawrence or Vidra or Vyman into those positions potentially. Um, I think he's always going to play Vyman in one of those because he knows he gets the work rate yeah. out of him, and it's almost three into one in terms of yeah. Vidra, Lawrence, or. Uh, Palmer yeah. um, into those ones and it probably gives them a bit more freedom I would have thought I mean I've not seen I've not been at a match yet when they've played it um, but I presume it gives them a bit more freedom to interchange or to cut, you know, come inside or find space out wide as well I just think I just I just think that with these two number 10s maybe it's done with Vidra in mind because the last two or three games he has been targeted Yeah, and I said on you know I said myself he's been like nullified by the opposition Whereas if you have him, he's one of two number tens. Yeah, uh, they've got someone else to, to you know, he, he's got like a foil basically, mm-hmm. hasn't he? They've got someone else who can take away from him and, and cr- hopefully create more space for him. Now, it could get slated for this one, but you know who would really suit this formation? Chris yes. Martin, number nine up front, needs to hold the ball up and then has players running past him. Feynman does it brilliantly. Fidra does it brilliantly. He also holds the ball up well. Lawrence is one who wants to get past and burst between the lines from midfield and up front. The thing we've been talking about, Jerome and Nugent, is holding the ball up. Now, yeah. someone like Martin held the ball up so well. Yes, it's three years ago, and he hasn't necessarily done it brilliantly in that time. But that was what his skill is, getting his ass in the way, holding the ball up, laying people off. And, and being back in the box for them. Yeah. But do you not think that the reason why that wouldn't work is because Rowett wants players who can press high and, and run the channels and chase, and Martin's never going to do that very well? Yeah, Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but then have you not got the the likes of Vyman, um to do that? Does it need to always be Martin? I don't know. 
that I think it's quite an interesting point just to look at perhaps for the future and for next season. Yeah, and I, this is one to look out for. I've not done any research on this. I'm, I'm, I'm asking actually our listeners if they know. Um, is, does Martin come back to us for the playoffs? He would, surely. I wouldn't have thought No, but was. yeah. I mean, Reading, Reading wouldn't need him. I'm not sure what the contract is. I've, I've got no idea. But last season, obviously, Fulham were involved, so he couldn't come I don't back, think. But... I think the end of the season is normally the 9th of June, which is when the domestic window opens. So I would probably guess at no. Yeah, um, I, I can't. I don't think Raul just chuck him back in anyway. I think he's probably happy with Nugent and Jerome, yeah. particularly in the form that Jerome's in. Yeah. Well, there we go. So, as we say, Derby Barnsley next Sunday. The Rams just need a point to get over the line, finish in sixth, and get into the playoffs for the third time in five seasons. But uh, we'll call it. We'll wrap it up there for now. So we're going to finish with. I've got some any other business, actually. You have, haven't you? Should we do Who Ran My First? Then okay, do yeah, that. let's do Who Ran My First, yeah. Because I can see Tom's chomping at the bit to, uh, <laughs> to, to wrap that one up. Um, at the start of the podcast, I gave you this clue. I played 39 times for Derby County between 2002 and 2004. Richard. Go on. Mo Konjic. Oh, I was going to say him, but I didn't think it was. Mo Konjic is incorrect. Tom uh, Adam Murray. Incorrect. Clue number two, I scored four goals. Tom Manel, that centre forward, who was terrible. <laughs> Love that shout. Um, incorrect. Richard, it's so wrong. Marvin Robinson. Marvin Robinson is incorrect. Yeah. Clue number started three. earlier than that. My teams after Derby County included Sheffield United, MK Dons, Charlton Athletic, and Colchester United. So can you say those teams again? Uh, so I played 39 times for Derby County, scoring four goals between 2002 and 2004. Uh, I then went on to play for Sheffield United on loan, MK Dons, Charleston Athletic and Colchester United. I played for MK Dons between 2004 and 2007. Tom, Isle McLeod. Isle McLeod is correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> Good shout. Good shout. <laughs> what was it? Was it the, the MK, MK Dons goal? Yeah, he played there a long yeah. time. Um, I liked him actually. That, he, had Leggy. A, he had a wicked game against MK Dons on TV, I seem to remember. He like beat like four or five players similar yeah. to one chop, smacked them off the bar. And then he seemed like a real prospect. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much wrapped up the season for you now, Tom, hasn't it? Like 10, depends how many end-of-season reviews part one and part two we do in part <laughs> yeah. three. And it depends <laughs> whether we get to the playoff semi-final or playoff final, pre-season friendlies. I... Anyway, we will be back, hopefully, with a playoff preview, fingers crossed, uh, a week on Tuesday, or a week on Tuesday or Wednesday after the Barnsley game. But as I said, in the meantime, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. But we'll be back soon. Richard, thanks for that. See you after the end of the season. Yep. Or the end then. of the regular season. End of the regular season. Tom, playoff preview. thanks for your contribution. Yeah, can't wait for the playoffs in a couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. Indeed. We'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>